0: You in the mood for a Michael Hawkins Jr. evaluation? Yeah, in, in, can, can I interest anyone? 2024 four-star quarterback Michael Hawkins Jr. OU has offered him. Feels like OU leads for him. Here's just a scouting report that I have right in front of me, Parker. The scouting report says this. Mike has no ceiling. He can stand in the pocket and throw darts all day, or he can pull it and take it to the crib. True four four kid and the most polished quarterback in the twenty twenty four class. Do, do, do we want to tell people that that eval is his dad, <laughs> yeah. or do you just want to conveniently uh, omit that detail? Yeah, no, I wasn't going to mention that that was his dad, Michael Hawkins Senior, but it is an evaluation on twenty twenty four quarterback Michael Hawkins Junior. Yeah. Hey, Mike played in the NFL though, huh? Yeah. And let me tell you, I mean, Mike. Mike knows ball. He's got some credentials to give his thought on a Mike uh, does no ball,
1: and you know, for the most part, he's just
0: hyping up his kid, but his kid is also really good. He doesn't need him to hype him up. Mike has no ceiling. He can stand in the pocket and throw darts all day, or he can pull it and take it to the crib. True 4'4 kid and the most polished quarterback in the 2024 class. So, hey, there's a lot of opinions in there, right? No ceiling. That's I guess that's an opinion. Stand in the the pocket and throw darts all day, yes. Pull it, take it to the crib. Most polished quarterback in the 2024 class. But the one true thing in there is the 4-4 speed, which is what I kind of care about the most when I look at this.
1: Peyton already beat me to the lead on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. He said, Parker, TCU offered someone else at QB, so by everyone else's logic, he's an OU lock, right? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that TCU offered someone else at quarterback. They did a low three-star kid from Arizona. Hmm. Which, backup you know, it plan? Was we- like, it was weird. It was a weird deal. And I was having an exchange with somebody on the text line a little earlier in the show about it because I was under the impression when Bryles took the job at TCU, he was get- just going to be content with Marcus Davila as his guy because that's a top 20 quarterback. Sure. And generally, you're not going to hang a guy like that out to dry and bet the farm on your ability to pull in Michael Hawkins, especially when he'd spent virtually no time around the TCU program to that point. Well, that's what Bryles did. Davila decommitted. Now TCU's in it for Hawkins, yes, but their contingency plans versus OU's contingency plans, if they end up on the outside looking in for Hawkins,
0: very different. No, it, it was a gamble by Bryles for all the reasons that you listed, but this too, man, like they're going after an OU legacy. And I understand that his dad only played here one year, and he wasn't a, you know, four-year player, a three-year starter, and a two-time All Big 12 player. But the allegiance to OU is still strong; it's very, very much strong. there. Very so when strong. you when you factor that in too, it's like, okay, TCU. I, I guess I respect the hustle a little bit, but. Oh boy, a bad quarterback room can damage you for quite some time. You you, you better hope. You you better hope that you get Michael Hawkins Jr. in this one. Yeah, it was was a gamble. It was a calculated gamble, I'm sure. But
1: if TCU doesn't get Hawkins and they sacrificed Davila on the altar of the hypothetical thought that they might end up with Michael Hawkins and they're left scrounging the bottom of the barrel for three-star kids... And that's probably not going to go over very well in Fort Worth. That's going to be a rough introduction to the TCU fan base and donor pool for old Kendall. He'll Bryles. get the
0: Demarco Murray treatment. Dude, Demarco okay. got around here. Yo. He can't get. He can't sign anyone.
1: <laughs> Yo, did you hear Brandon Drum say last hour that Tavani Mizel's is visiting Oklahoma? I I
0: I did. Yes. Demarco did can do no wrong. Bro. Yeah. Well, he's a Georgia commit right now. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Everybody wants to play for Demarco. Peyton says, Parker, how does Mizell fit into the running back picture? Just he uh, let he leapfrog peoples and Durham, or is he just first? Oh, okay, okay. You're asking, will he leapfrog peoples and Durham in terms of the, you know, who you take, or is it first come, first serve? Okay, what here's, here's, they have here's what I'm
1: going to say, and people are going to want me to elaborate. I'm not going to just because, well, th- there are a lot of reasons. You'll understand why, Tyler. Other people may not. There is a running back in the 2024 class, a blue chip kid at that, that has tried to commit to Oklahoma and DeMarco Murray and the staff have held him off man. because they feel good about other options that they like better. Now, Tavani Mizell, man, if you flip on the tape, that dude's special. Like, ooh, I I don't know if there is a running back in the 2024 class that I like much better than Tavani Mizell. That is a true game-breaker. And so if all of a sudden Oklahoma is able to sustain this push for him, because this has been going on behind the scenes for a while. OU had never dropped off contact with Tavani Mizell. He actually visited last fall in late October for the Kansas game. So they've still been coming after Tavani Mizell, but it really does seem like with him set to visit for Junior Day, there's some teeth to this thing. Yeah, so,
0: boy, that Junior
1: Day list is real nice, by uh, the uh, way. DeMarco's going to have to make some tough decisions, man. OU's going to have to make some tough decisions. And this is about the best problem you can possibly have. No, it, it Too is. Too
0: many blue-chip running backs that want to yeah, play for your school. And just getting like that would be a huge win, a huge win in itself. I mean, that would be potentially one of the highest-rated running backs that you've signed in quite some time, right? But also, what you get with it is the narrative of, well, OU just straight-up took that guy away from Georgia. Georgia, the team who's won Uh back-to-back national championships, the IT program, a program that's, you know, had a lot of success at running back here recently, so... I, I like Mizell just because he's a really good player. But if you get to throw that in there, that you basically stole a running back away from Georgia, maybe the number one running back by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, that's that's one we got to watch. That's one to be you know excited about. That if Demarco happen. can go and pluck mm-hmm. a guy that could be a five star,
1: like that's that's a possibility for Tavani Mizell. If he can pluck a dude like that. Out of the recruiting class of a program that's coming off back-to-back national championships, we're going to have to start having the discussion, Tyler. <laughs> Are there any recruiters in the country as good as DeMarco Murray? That, that Boy, that storyline will flip. No doubt, man. But like, here's the thing. That's going to be a conversation that we have to have nine or ten months down the road. If DeMarco puts the clamps on a couple of top 100 yeah. guys.
0: Yeah, and that and that's an if, if that happens, right? But I, I think what's true today is, you know, we have a lot of loyal, like, big-time college football listeners that they know all about the sport. They know about recruiting. They know about other teams. But at the same time, Parker, like if I were to ask a lot of people that listen to the show, hey, can you name me five running back coaches from across the country – not a whole lot of people can do that. You know, there's just not a whole lot of well-known running back coaches out there. Uh-huh. OU has the most well-known running back coach in all of college football. Because of what he did in college football, what he did in the NFL, and that matters, man. It matters. And- it matters to have the most well-known running backs coach in the entire sport. And especially because these kids that
1: he's recruiting, these 16, 17-year-old kids they're just old enough where their formative years sitting on the couch on Sundays watching professional football came when DeMarco Murray was at the top of his game. Yeah. So we all regard him as a legend. They certainly do as well.
0: Uh, in all caps, bench him, Tyler, talking about Michael Hawkins Jr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no Michael Hawkins Jr. slander today. Uh, I'm, I'm not hoping that we get there by any stretch, just pointing that out. 405-651-3439. Keep it coming on the uh, air cover solutions text line. Um, there's, not, I mean, there's a lot in recruiting in terms of offers going out, that March 3rd visit weekend, which looks like it's going to be a big deal. Uh, but there's not a whole lot in terms of commits going on with OU football, which, by the way, I was looking at some uh, other programs that don't have a commit to this point either, some notables. TCU doesn't have a commit. Mississippi State, Mizzou, Indiana, Miami, and Cincinnati. So I'm not telling you to get worried about it whatsoever, just kind of throwing you some teams that don't have a commit either. But with that, I thought I'd offer up a fun question today. Um, In in case you haven't heard, OU is going to the SEC in 2024. So that's going to look interesting in terms of non-conference opponents moving forward. Britt Venables hinted that you're still going to have a marquee non-conference opponent every single year. So, And by the way, bonus points for originality and creativity. Um, Give me one or two non-conference opponents that you'd love to see moving forward when OU is in the SEC. Because normally when we've had this conversation, it's, oh, I'd love to go to Florida. I'd love to go back to Tennessee. I've never been to the Grove before at Ole Miss. I feel like if we would have done this a year ago, Uh 80 to 90% of the answers are SEC schools. Well, that's not going to be the case now. So who would you be jacked about playing now that the SEC, all the fun places to go, are actually in your college? Well,
1: there's one very obvious answer, but it'll never happen.
0: USC. Yes. Yeah. You would say uh, Martin Stadium in Pullman, Washington. You're a oh, you're man. a pro Washington State I, trip. Type I, I, of guy.
1: I am pro Pacific Northwest. Give me all the trips to the Pacific Northwest. That'd be Bobby. a tough
0: place to get to, Pullman, Washington. I oh, know <laughs> it would be. I don't even know. I, you could fly into Seattle, but then you have to drive all the way across the state to get there. I don't even know where you fly in to try to get to yeah, Pullman on a commercial S- Spokane, airline. Spokane, anyway.
1: probably. Maybe. Is there an, is there even an airport in Spokane? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't spent enough time up there, no. Uh,
0: Penn State?
1: I I think Penn State would be a pretty appealing... Second-largest stadium
0: in college football. They'd have the wideout up there maybe for that. That'd be fun. We're getting a lot of Colorados right now. Somebody said South Dakota State. I love you. I don't know who you are. Are you wearing... No, no South Dakota State gear for you today. No, I didn't wear the cutoff. It's not that hot Mm -hmm. today. Mm No North Dakota State. Nobody wants to play in the Fargo Dome up there with that seventeen thousand seed capacity. <laughs> yeah, uh, Zane says Colorado. Nine one eight says Colorado. Four oh five says Penn State. Peyton says I would love to play at Clemson. OU is scheduled to play a home and home at Clemson, but it's not for was it like thirty four or thirty five something yeah, like it's that? Way it's way down out. the road. Just just move that thing up like eight years. I think you have enough room in the non conference schedule to do so. Uh, Sugar Shane, I want to see Michigan, Penn State, Hawaii, Oregon, and Oklahoma State. Peyton said Idaho, the Kibbe Dome. Hey, Peyton must have played a
1: lot of NCAA college football growing up. Uh, Not a lot of people know this. Moscow, Idaho, where the University of Idaho is, and Pullman, Washington, where Washington State is, they're eight miles apart. Correct. Yep. So,
0: hey, hit them in one weekend. Anyone that's ever played NCAA football did dynasty mode with Idaho so they could play in the Kibby Dome. There you go.
1: Play a double header. Send the first team to Pullman. Send the second team to Moscow. Boom. You win both games. Counts as two wins on your record.
0: 307 says UNLV. I like where your head's at there. 903 has my response. Everyone says Madison, Wisconsin is awesome. Apparently, it's this great college town with a pretty fun atmosphere inside Camp Randall Stadium. Um, Wisconsin would be my answer. I I would be all about OU playing. And you know what, too, about the Wisconsin trip? I feel like Wisconsin fans are probably pretty nice fans. Maybe they're bigger jerks than what I realize. But if I'm evaluating the, uh, the Wisconsin fan base i got to think that they're pretty nice individuals and just want everyone to have a great time up there. I uh, Wisconsin's number one for me, non-con moving forward. Peyton said, oh, yeah, Madison would be fun in
1: September. Sooner, Todd, as a Steelers fan, I want to play at Pitt. Dream for me to see a doubleheader. Yeah,
0: I mean, it would be cool to see the Steelers play at not Heinz Field anymore, Akershire Stadium. S- seeing a Pitt game there, though, that would... That would not – that would suck.
1: Very, underrated answer right here. Virginia Tech. It would be sweet. Inner yeah. Sandman Come on. are
0: running in. I'd be all about that. Flying to Spokane or Pullman, I guess, is how you get up there. Ball State, see what set of balls are really out there for the world to see. <laughs> yeah, OU playing in the SEC, but they have a road game in the MAC. That that would be uh, that'd be interesting. Yeah, Boise State, miss me with that. Yeah, same. I, I'd like some revenge on that one, but I'm, I'm I'm with you. Miss me on that. Sugar Shane says Wisconsin
1: fans say crayons instead of crayons, and for that sole reason, I would never attend. Mm. Uh,
0: Madison has killer adult ballet places as well. So adult t- ballet, okay. That's. Uh, I, I I I think you know what he's probably referring to as adult ballet places. Yes, but I I just I, I would not have guessed Madison, Wisconsin of all not, places. Yeah, I would not either. A lot of beer drinking up there, of course, but I would not have guessed that either. Uh, someone else saying, and I love this one. Let's just get it on with Nebraska every single year. Yes, Lord. Yes, and Amen. I mean, that, that I, I think Madison's the right answer, but OU Nebraska, Thanksgiving weekend, I'm telling you, I, rivalry weekend is a big thing in college football still. Ohio State-Michigan's there, Bama-Auburn's there, Florida-Florida State's there. Like, there's so many great rivalries on rivalry weekend. Is OU going to have a rivalry that's there? I mean, unless you... You're not playing Bedlam anymore, and most of you don't think that that's a rivalry anyway, <laughs> but unless you're moving OU Texas back to that weekend, you're not going to have a rivalry on rivalry weekend. I don't know. That kind of sucks, unless you just put Nebraska there. Let's let's get that done, please. If, if OU had Nebraska every single year in non-con,
1: I would have zero complaints. Yeah. Let's bring that rivalry back.
0: All right, 405-651-3439. Here's the deal. I still have a few tickets to give away – to tomorrow's OU women's basketball game, OU Texas women's hoops. Can we do a trivia question? Yeah, do you have the trivia question? No, we'll think of one in the break. Okay. Okay. I want to make it a challenge for people. Okay, do you want to come up with the trivia question? I'll come up with the trivia question. Perfect. All right, Uh, other side, your chance to win OU women's hoops tickets. Big game tomorrow for the OU women. They win that game tomorrow. They're in the lead in the Big 12 standings with two games to play, and they play Texas. So 1 o'clock at the LNC. Go out there and see a uh, top 15 team in action. All right, more to come next. Keep it locked in, The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. Happy Friday to everyone out there. The Ref Army listening nationwide today. Dayton, Ohio has checked in. Garden Grove, California. Grand Prairie, Texas. Does anyone else think of Rhett Bomar when they hear Grand Prairie, Texas? I do. Mabelvale, Arkansas. Levine, Arizona. Small Oklahoma town of the day. I don't think that uh, Chickasha meets our threshold, but I pulled up Chickasha today. I was there a couple Fridays ago. So Chickasha is. Our I think small we town decided today. a while
1: back that it does not meet the criteria, but we'll give them a provisional pass today. Yeah. Congratulations,
0: Chickasha. Uh, what's your uh, trivia question? Ooh, okay. Tickets? So this
1: is this is going to challenge people. Because the answer to this question, the question itself is OU-related, but the answer to the trivia question is not a former Sooner. So for those that really pay attention to college football, this is how we're going to know. So, back in 2011, Ryan Broyles broke yep. the NCAA career receptions record. Correct. Whose record did he break? Hmm. 405-651-3439. Let Here's a know hint. know when you have the right answer. The previous record was established in 2004.
0: All right. Anyone have an idea? Just Google it real quick. Yeah, it's we'll basically give you, uh, we'll whoever give you knows this
1: off the top of their head because they're a college football stats fanatic or whoever can
0: do internet research the fastest. That's what it comes down to, internet research the fastest. And good on you for actually challenging the folks out there. Like, this is a big game tomorrow. Like, we shouldn't be just shelling out free tickets. That's Normally what I'm, I'm saying, I'm like, man. Hey, just tell me that you want to go to the basketball game tomorrow and we'll give it to you. Uh, let's see. Taylor uh, Stubber- Stubblefield was on there. Mark Clayton was on there. DeAndre Hopkins was on there. Larry Fitzgerald was on there. Are you seeing any correct answers? I have seen a correct answer,
1: but that individual followed up and said, don't give me tickets. So he has removed himself from contention. Here you go. The correct answer from a listener in the
0: 405 is Taylor Stubblefield. There you go. Megatron's on here. Doug from Norman says Rod Smith. Uh, a lot of Larry Fitzgeralds and Megatrons on here, huh? Some dude from Fresno, some dude from Tech, <laughs> oh,
1: former Purdue Boilermaker Taylor. I know uh, who
0: who was. Uh, he was post Breeze, right? He was, was he post-Breeze. like Kyle, was he like Kyle Orton the era Kyle there? Kyle Orton years, yep. Oh, and uh, he
1: was most recently. The wide receivers coach at Penn State. He just left the university about a month, month and a half ago, but he was the wide receivers coach under James Franklin as well as the recruiting coordinator for Penn State for the last three years.
0: I don't know who said Jaron Canick, but I kind of want to give you tickets because (laughs) (laughs) Wes Welker was on there. No, dude from Tech, some dude from Fresno. That makes me laugh. So, nice job. A few of you got to – Got, got the answer correct. So I'll, uh, I'll send you a message on uh, how you can pick up some of those tickets. I believe we're going to OU Baseball, by the way, on the app in about four minutes. So if you're wanting to uh, listen to us, uh, do so over the uh, radio frequencies. ninety four seven FM in Oklahoma City, 1430 AM in Tulsa. Just a heads up there, though. My guess is Doug from Norman, says Zane. As the NCAA, that's who Ryan Broyles uh, broke the record from. Doug and Norman, <laughs> who who is who is the best uh, regardless of numbers? Best college football wide receiver that you've seen in your day, dude. <laughs> Megatron is. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald I, was a Heisman finalist with Jason White that year. Correct. Here's the thing: I feel like it's almost too early for C.D.
1: Lamb to get thrown around in that regard. But give him another five years in the NFL, and I think people are going to realize that C.D. Lamb is and was a legend
0: now if you're going to judge this off of just one play like all right let's go get Megatron's best play let's go get Larry Fitzgerald's best play like if you were to do it that way to ultimately judge I don't know if anyone had a play like CeeDee Lamb in the OU Texas game what was that 2019 the the entire Texas defense was on one side of him and the sideline the greatest defender of all time was on the other, and you all have seen the picture and, and see the replay. Somehow, I, I still don't know how. Well, I do know how Texas is awful defensively, but the fact that CD Lamb still scored against a bad defense to me is is incredible. I, I it, it's that amazing. entire twenty nineteen season. Like I, I
1: don't know if we talk enough about what a mismatch in every capacity CD Lamb was for an entire year, and he's quickly developing a reputation as one of the most gifted young receivers in the National Football League. But 2019 was one season-long CeeDee Lamb highlight reel. Yeah, the Texas game stands out. But do you remember the bubble screen he popped for a 73-yard touchdown against Kansas State? Uh, yes, you I do. that absurd to Moss come back job he pulled off
0: at the goal line against Iowa State? Well, how about this? The catch that never was could be CeeDee yes. Lamb's greatest play. Who are they playing? UCLA that day on yep. the on the OU sideline over there. I know they didn't count the catch, but that was an unbelievable play, man. Yeah, no, nah, I, I totally, a hundred percent, man. He's he has uh he's got quite the highlight reel. Yeah, the best best wide receiver that I've seen with my
1: own two eyes
0: is Ceedee
1: Lamb. Now we got to a Seth, that, we got a
0: Jeff Samarja reference, and that makes me happy.
1: Somebody <laughs> did say Justin Blackman, and. I th- There are a lot of answers that I would deem acceptable when you stretch this conversation over the course of my lifetime uh, when you're talking about college football wide receivers that were great. and
0: Two-time Blitnikoff winner. I think yeah, he's the only one, right? Yeah, him. well, did Crabtree win it twice?
1: I thought Crabtree just won it once. I'll go back and look at that. I'm fairly certain Crabtree won it twice. Um, but Crabtree and Blackman, both from kind of the same era there, Two of the greatest college football wide receivers I've ever watched, and I think most have ever watched. Uh, Yeah, he he won at 07 and 08. Nice call. I
0: thought he just won at 08. He did win at 07. So I am an anti-fade guy. Um, I'm not big on the fade. Uh, but when you have Justin Blackman out there, I, I don't know how many touchdowns of his were from the fade from Brandon Whedon, but that's when I do like the fade, is when you can throw it up to someone like Justin Blackman, because it seemed like he always made a play. Payton, He's
1: really good. Peyton on the tax line says, what's crazy is CD had 62 receptions for 1,327 yards and 14 touchdowns, and I still think he was underutilized. Fair.
0: I mean, seriously. <laughs> Very fair. And, I, and, and there were definitely stories of... You know, that year with Jalen Hurts where he was very upset at times that year that he wasn't getting the ball Uh for.
1: Well, and much as we all agree that any other year in the history of college football, Jalen Hurts would have won the Heisman if not for Joe Burrow and the perfect storm that was LSU in 2019 – I think just about any other year, CeeDee Lamb wins the Bulitnikov. It just happened yeah. to be that Jamar Chase popped off that season as wide receiver one with Burrow throwing him the ball.
0: Anyone named Lockett says the 405. Which, which Lockett do you prefer the most? Tyler Lockett um, was awesome at Kansas State, just had, what, two injuries that really kind of. I mean, he had a great career at Kansas State, but if he didn't have the uh, torn ACL, I think maybe in his last year, he has an even better career. Kevin was awesome. Aaron was awesome. Um, all of the lockets, like you're saying. This one says I hate LSU and everyone on that twenty nineteen team, but Jamar Chase was a friggin' baller in college. Yeah. That's true. That's... But Justin Jefferson was the one that killed you in the actual Peach Bowl. How many touchdowns did Justin Jefferson have against OU? Do you have like four? He had four touchdowns that oh, day. Oh, man. Then you had Terrace Marshall.
1: You had Thadde- Thaddeus Moss. Moss. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to think of what his first name was Thaddeus Thaddeus Moss, and then Clyde Edwards Alaire coming out of the back. Yeah, stupid man. That team was a runaway train. They were going to win a national championship. It didn't matter who tried to stand in their way.
0: That's probably um, that's probably the best offense I've ever seen with no, my it, own eyes. One
1: hundred percent.
0: Like, I, look the o eight the o eight OU offense was really good. It, I mean, it was not really good. It was elite. It was great. It was historic. But you know. LSU, especially with what Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson have done in the league and Joe Burrow has been able to do in the league as well, that's, that, one's, that one's tough to top, man. I mean, the NFL success like does lend LSU to say, yeah, yeah it's the best offense I've ever seen. And they would just score at will that
1: year. I mean, when they needed a touchdown drive, they would go get a touchdown drive. And yep. you knew it was
0: coming, and you still couldn't stop it. Dez Bright was good, says the 405. Yeah. Des didn- was really good. Didn't really get to play his last year at Oklahoma State, but he, he was he was still really good, for sure.
1: Percy Harvin. That's a name that, gosh, I, I, I don't know if... I think the migraines in the NFL have kind of obfuscated the greatness of Percy Harvin, especially collegiately, because... Percy Harvin was the OG Tyree kill. Percy Harvin was Tyree kill before Tyree kill. Oh,
0: if we were to do a, and a, maybe we will during the summer at some point. For all of you out there that played NCAA football back in the day, Percy Harvin was top five player to play to play with on uh, NCAA football. I mean, it was it was awesome back in the day with him. Um, okay, March fourth. This this is looking like a big time week. Is it March third or March fourth? By the yeah, way, it's March fourth. March fourth. Okay. So you're going to have several big-time prospects in, including Will Winary, who is the number 1 defensive lineman, five-star defensive lineman. This seems like your first big-time recruiting weekend of the year. It's a junior day. You're going to have a lot of big-time prospects going into their senior year in. So it kind of feels like, man, like the month of March, like OU still doesn't have a commit, but let's just get to March, and then I'm not saying OU's going to have 10 commits, but that's when the ball's really going to start rolling for for this recruiting class. I just wonder who's going to be
1: first through the wall because my money's still on Michael Hawkins, but I wonder if, and you always got to wonder coming out of a dead period, guys are getting antsy. Maybe some guys are willing to pull the trigger. They're feeling like they got a good idea of where they want to be. And they just want the recruiting process to be over. you always got to wonder coming up on a weekend like this, they're going to be any dudes that just decide to shut things down on March 4th. And Uh, I'll be curious to see whether Oklahoma can do that with any of the guys that are going to be in town for their visits. And it is a star studded visit list, folks. Head to OUinsider.com if you want to get the full list. Uh, Brandon Drum just published the first draft. And obviously there will be guys that get added, guys that get dropped off the list because plans change, especially with a lot of these players uh, dealing with basketball season right now
0: as well. But, lot of talent going to be in Norman, Oklahoma next weekend. You Listen to this uh, shot here from <laughs> Greg and Lawton. That 2019 LSU offense made a Brent Venables championship defense look like it was coached by Alex Grinch. <laughs> oh, Alex but, Grinch catching some strays today. This is a niche text, but it is
1: 1,000% correct. NCAA football 08, West Virginia, was unbeatable. It's true. Yes, they – dude, like – Pat I White, remember those days. Slayton, let's I, go. I've, I had NCAA football 08 on the PlayStation 2. I would have Pat White, I would have Steve Slayton, and you just run the option all freaking day.
0: And then Noel Devine, you could throw him in as a change of pace back, huh? Throw a little slip screen to Noel Devine getting out in open space. That's an eighty-yard touchdown easily all day long. Oh, those were the days, man, NCAA football when it was around. Yeah,
1: I tell you, that was one of those teams where I could just like, you know, you had five audibles built into the playbook, and you could just set your five audibles, and you never needed to call an actual play. You could just walk up to the line <laughs> of scrimmage and call one yeah. of those five audibles, and you knew that drive was going yeah. all. It was going the
0: distance. 405-651-3439. More Cruton on the other side. Keep it locked in the ref. Locked in with McCombus and Thune. We're inside the Buffalo Wild Wing studio on this Friday. Are you headed to see Peyton Pierce as soon as you get done here? That is correct. So here is yet another OU-Notre Dame battle. And OU and Notre Dame have had recruiting battles before. I guess Notre Dame has a lot of random recruiting battles because they recruit such, you know, nationwide, but... I don't remember a whole lot of OU-Notre Dame battles for the state of Texas, which is interesting.
1: Let alone for elite defenders from the DFW area, let alone dudes named
0: Peyton. (laughs) Notre Dame has a type, and I guess you could say Oklahoma (laughs) just might have a type as well. No, now would be a perfect time to re-engage the OU-Notre Dame rivalry, right? Like, you're trying to find this new rivalry in the SEC. If Notre Dame was joining the SEC, like, it's bitter right now after uh, everything that happened with the Peyton Bowen saga, and I'm wondering if that's going to happen with the uh, Peyton Pierce recruitment here moving forward. Yeah, Brent Venable's about to break some Irish hearts again. Yeah, it kind of seems like... uh, both Pierce and Nigel Smith uh, leaning towards OU. Those are two elite defenders for you. Yeah,
1: I think Pierce is going to be a sooner in the end, but he does he does really like Notre Dame. I don't want to make it sound like Notre Dame's not a player there because they are. Um, much like Bowen, though, honestly there are <laughs> there are some striking parallels between those two situations. Much like Bowen, the thing with Pierce is he just has so much tying him to OU that. I I feel it's going to be next to impossible
0: for him to turn down the Sooners in the end. Yeah. It's uh, it's early. I always preface that when we talk about this 24 class. I thought the defensive side of the ball was the better haul last year in recruiting. I kind of feel like that's going to be the case again this year. If we're talking about Nigel Smith and Peyton Pierce. And you're still going to have a really good quarterback there. And I... I think you're going to have a really good running back there, what we just talked about earlier on, but I think you're going to be talking about top-end defensive talent um, and a lot of depth on that side as well. Like they, This staff is really trending towards just stacking elite bodies on the defensive side and recruiting. Yeah. You know who else is doing a sneaky good job right now recruiting in
1: his room is the new guy, Emmett Jones. Trust me, I, OU wanted three receivers in last year's class. They only ended up with two for a variety of reasons. They're not going to come out on the short end of the stick again this year. Emmett Jones is going to get three, and he's got options. I think the Sooners lead substantially for Bryant Wesco right now, the four-star kid out of Midlothian, Texas. They have a very good chance with both Zion Carney and Zion Reagans, two four-stars, one from Missouri City, Texas. Shout-out Kenneth Murray. Yeah. And one from the state of Georgia. And then there are a couple guys further on down the list, fast-rising three-star types. K.J. Daniels from the state of Louisiana, Isaiah McMorris from the state of Nebraska, all guys that are very, very high on Oklahoma right now. So Emmett Jones is going to be able to set his board and prioritize accordingly, but there are at least, I would say, five or six guys right now that OU has a very strong chance of landing. They're going to get three. I don't know which three, but they're going to get three receivers.
0: I asked Teddy yesterday, I said, hey, here's the situation on the defensive line, like the big four, and Teddy knew. Three of the four defensive linemen that we keep talking about, I was pretty impressed with him. I said, "Okay, there's four right there." I told him all the ties. I, you know, I kind of filled him in on everything that's currently going on right now. What what's the acceptable number here? How many do they need to get? He said they need to get three. Really? Yeah. And he says they. Think oh, Teddy's getting greedy. He says they. He he said. I think he he said that he thinks he's going to get three as well. The biggest takeaway or the biggest thing he said is I told him about uh, Will Winery and kind of you know that whole situation there he said dude you know how you know how Teddy is he's like he ain't going to Missouri I'm just telling you that right now he ain't going to Missouri and basically his point is if the choice is between Missouri for an elite defensive lineman and Oklahoma and a whole lot of other schools. He's just saying, I'm just telling you this right now. He ain't going to Missouri. He'll he'll go somewhere else. He's going. He ain't going to Missouri. Now, listen. I, I believe Teddy's right because I don't think Missouri's staff
1: is still in place at season's end. But I I think the kid may commit to Missouri. That's that's the thing that Oklahoma is going to have to get past in this recruiting battle. Is they're going to have to express to Winery and get him to understand that hey right now that is a very tenuous situation up in columbia missouri that is not a situation that you want to be stepping in especially if you're committing in july or august you don't want to commit to a school where their head coach is already walking on thin ice along with his entire staff so if ou can drive that home i do think they have a chance to take the lead for winery this spring
0: On the flip side, you know that Drink and their staff, they are pushing for an early commit because they'd love to have that in their back pocket if things don't go well for them to start the year because he would be the highest-ranked defensive recruits that Mizzou has landed in ever. I mean, no, seriously, yeah,
1: maybe (laughs) ever. Probably ever. he, He would probably, and this is offhand, don't quote me on this, but I believe he would be the highest-ranked overall
0: prospect they've ever landed, say, for Doriel Green-Beckham. Yeah, probably so. What was um, – oh, God, wh- why am I blanking on the receiver that they have there right now? Why am I blanking Luther on – Luther Burden. Luther Burden. What, he was a five-star, but was he in, like – he wasn't in the top ten, right, in his recruiting he was class? Number, I think
1: it was number 11, okay. which, when will be
0: higher than yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it stands like this could be their highest-rated recruit since DGB and – I I guess that matters a little bit when you talk about a coach that's on the hot seat. I don't know. Got to have something for those folks to believe in. And so you push
1: for a five-star, you get him committed. Maybe, and maybe, right, it's not just about what impact the coaching staff's overall situation has on Winery's recruitment. Maybe it's about the impact that Winery's recruitment has on the coaching staff's job security. If you
0: get a commitment from that kid, does it buy you more time? Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, Coming up next, a random recruiting question. I'll extend this to the text line, of course. Who's the college football program you think that does the best job of keeping their in-state talent? Obviously, it helps if you have a lot of in-state talent, some really good in-state talent. But when I say that, like, hey – which school out there, year in and year out, does a great job of putting a fence around their own state? Who do you think of? We'll hit that more coming up next. Keep it locked on The Ref. Final segment locked in with McComas and Thune live on The Ref. Anyone in the mood for some high school basketball tonight? Well, if you are, good news. We have it here at The Ref. TV. We've got the Norman Regional tonight, Northwest Classen and Norman North at 6 p.m. We've got U.S. Grant and Norman High at 7.30. In the Westmore Regional, Deer Creek and Edmund Santa Fe at 6 p.m. Capitol Hill and Westmore at 7.30. And in the Edmond North Regional, Mustang and Edmund Memorial at 6 p.m. Midwest City and Edmond Memorial at 7.30 p.m. That's KREF krefsports.tv. We had a couple of lopsided scores last night, by the way. Um... Edmund North beats I believe it was Capitol Hill ninety seven to three and Edmund Memorial beat Lawton ninety two to six. So
1: <laughs> some lopsided. How d- how does a team score <laughs> only three points in a game? In a basketball Because like, to me, as long as it's five on five, as not as long as you're not playing shorthanded, could you not just chuck up a series of thirty footers? all game long and end up with more than three points? Maybe so. I don't I, know. Just pump fate. Maybe, maybe you can't. Just I don't know. Pump fate get to the foul line. Maybe it'll work at some point. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there were three overwhelming answers to yeah. your question on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. as to who does the best job of keeping elite recruits in state? Those answers were Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Seems to me, Tyler, that there may be a correlation between keeping top recruits in state and being one of the most successful
0: programs in all of college football. Yeah. Because those three are ahead of the pack right now. now and and those are and those are great states in terms of talent. They're not number one or – well, yeah, they're not number one or number two, but they're still really good states in terms of talent. You know who I was initially thinking, and I'm thinking historically? Who's that? LSU's done a great job of they keeping have. talent in state. That's now, true. Alabama's been the one school, though, here in the past eight years or so that's been able to get – top-rated players out of Louisiana to come to Tuscaloosa, but Urban Meyer was recently quoted as saying, like, I got mad at a recruiting staffer of mine one point. He had me on a flight to go see a kid in Louisiana. I said, why are we going to see him? He's an elite player in Louisiana. LSU's going to get him. Interesting. But definitely here recently, George has done a great job. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: USC pulled Tackett Curtis out of Louisiana last cycle. Yeah. Um, He's a really good player too, man. You really, he's a really, That was a great eval by Brian Odom. I'm trying to think. Did Jacoby Daniels end up going to A&M, or did he flip? Gosh, for the life of me, I can't remember. But AM has been able to make some headway in the state of Louisiana. OU has sporadically been a presence down there. Cody Ford, probably the most notable yep. Louisiana and sooner of the last decade. Rufus. Got Rufus out of Louisiana once upon a Rufus time. I Rufus was a Louisiana guy. Yeah. Uh,
0: who did you initially think of?
1: Well, I was thinking Bama and Georgia. Ohio yeah. State, that's another. That's that's probably the school outside of the SEC that has been able to embrace their identity, build around it, and keep pace with the SEC programs better than any other school at this point.
0: Yeah, here recently, schools that have not done a great job of keeping their talent in-state might be the three Florida schools, Florida, Florida State, and Miami. Uh, Bama and Georgia have been cleaning up – the four and five stars uh, in that area. I I read off the number of five stars that all three of those schools have gotten in the past five years, I think, last week, and it was staggering how few. Florida has, like, two five stars in the past five years. What? And
1: LSU has a strong presence there. Oklahoma has a strong presence there. Clemson is certainly big in Florida as well. Now, Florida State and Mike Norvell are in an interesting position because – there is a lot of turmoil right now at both Florida and Miami. Yeah, Florida just lost three staffers to the NFL after the whole Jaden Rashada fiasco. Miami went 5-7. and seven. Mario Cristobal and John Ruiz are sitting back with pocketbooks wide open and trying to reel in anybody and everybody that'll come to South Beach for the dollar sign. And it hasn't paid off. And Miami hasn't won. In a long time, Tyler, they've won double-digit games one time in the last twenty years.
0: And that Miami's year, getting desperate. And that year, they started off what eleven and zero, lost their last regular season game, got punked in the ACC championship, and I think lost to Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl that year. They lost like that, like so. It was this great. The only year that you're talking about, yes. it still ended up in, in in terrible fashion because they lost their last three games of the year. It was a very sour ending, even to that year. Yeah, so Miami's getting desperate. Florida is certainly
1: – I don't think Florida's in desperation mode yet, but things are fraying at the seams in Gainesville. So Florida State, if they can take advantage of both of their in-state rivals being down yep. to be able to start cleaning up with some of the elite recruits that those three schools historically go to battle for, I think the Seminoles – and I would not have said this a year ago. I would not have even said this six months ago. I think the Seminoles are in a really intriguing position here when it comes to being able to build a sustainable powerhouse outside the SEC.
0: Ten best players available in the portal heading into spring, by the way, according to 24-7. Number 8, Alton Tarber. Number 10, Bray Walker. Tarber's still not at a school. That's interesting. Still I, not. He has no tape. It's
1: kind of the same issue with him and Bray Walker both. Like, yeah. how – how does a school go about evaluating and recruiting them when they quite literally haven't done anything?
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised with Bray Walker. I hope he ends up somewhere, but we'll see if that's the case. But I don't know. I thought Alton Tarber might be picked up by someone. Not a legit Power 5 big-time school or anyone, but still available. See what happens with him. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.